All right. Amen. Last week here, so uh, we're dismissing our uh, youth group to go with uh, Pastor Jimmy. Uh, head on up if you'd like to do that. If not, uh, stay here. Next week is Christmas service. I know it sounds crazy, right? It's literally like our Christmas service next week, so make sure to be here. There will be a uh, feast provided by the church. Uh, it's going to be a really good time. You can wear your Christmassy stuff if you want. We may get a couple of uh, Christmas carols in the worship. I'm not sure how exactly it'll work, but something good. Our kids will do a little thing. Our youth are doing a little thing, and it's going to be this like family celebration service next week. So you got to make sure to be here. It would be an excellent time to bring someone. It's one of the two guilt holidays, right? If one of your friends is thinking about coming, it's probably going to be Christmas. So if you've been waiting to invite someone, this is going to be the perfect day to invite them. And we'll be ready to welcome them. And I'm and, uh, glad you guys are here. Uh, another note on, just before we begin here, the sermon on the, the missions that are going to Thailand. It looks like it's going to be a go. We have at least three people that are interested in it. And so uh, we'll be going this week. So we have enough people to go. Now that means we're going to have an equal amount of senders. So if you're sitting there like, I can't get to Thailand this year, the, you know, the price is normally around 2000 2500 bucks to kind of go to that kind of thing. And... Uh, what we ask as a sender is that you pay for a third of their, their costs right up front and that, you, and that you commit to pray for them every single day that they're there. You commit to meet with them before they go so you could like know who they are and, and know what their prayer requests are and then meet when they come back so that our, our men or women who are going are completely covered with the support of the church, with prayer, with people who care about them. And so if you aren't the one taking the application, you better be the one taking the support application, okay? So we want everybody who's committed to this church to be involved with the missions program. Just like we think small groups are part of the DNA, you've got to get in a small group here. You've got to be part of the Great Commission and sending and serving missionaries and stuff. And so we do that with our regular giving. We do that with our, our general finances. But this is an opportunity for you to one-to-one sort of grab one of these. So we're going to parade them up at the end of January when you have all our applications, and we'll say, like, pick a guy to sponsor or a girl to sponsor, and you'll go, like, yeah, I want that one, I want that one, you know, and so, uh, and it'll be okay if three people sponsor the same one, because that'll be a third, 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 and then their, their finances will be covered for that. And so just want you to know, if you're not a goer, I, as, as your pastor, I, I have an expectation that you'll be a sender, or I really do. And, it, you know, oh, that's 800 bucks. Yep, it's an 800 buck inve- investment in one of the persons that's going to go on this mission trip. And so uh, the goers are getting set. How about the senders? And maybe God's still prompting you to be a goer. Maybe you're sitting there like, oh, man, that sounds pretty cool. Like, oh, man, I could get a week off. I, I could probably schedule the time. If you want to be a, a goer, there's plenty of time to sign up still. We're going to take 10 people. We have about four right now. So about half of our slots are still filled. So anyway, uh, back to in the last two weeks, like we've been... Uh, we saw Jesus walk on water, and we saw Peter uh, being invi- invited to walk on water. And then, so those truly are like a walk to remember. That's the title of this series, right? So they, they're going to remember that walk. Well, Peter is. Jesus does a lot of like cool stuff. So he's like, that's just one in a million, right? But Peter's like, dude, remember that time I walked on water? And he'll always tell the disciples, I'm sure like the rest of their life together, he was like, hey, you remember that time I got out? And you guys like, you didn't get out. Remember that? That was like pretty cool, right? Right? No one gives him a high five. He's like, right? So uh, that's where we've been. Uh, here's how that played out. I'm going to just cover, go over the verses that we we're looking at. Immediately, um, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. When evening had come, the boat was a long way from land. It was beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. But the disciples saw him walk on the sea, and they were terrified, and they're like, dude, it's a ghost, like, ah, freaking out. And they cried out in fear. 
But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it's I, don't be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, "Mm -hmm, come. And so Peter got out of the boat. He walked on the water and he came to Jesus. And then he saw the wind and he was afraid and he began to sink down and he cried out, oh, Jesus, like, but really, like, oh, Jesus, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him. And he said to him, like, oh, you little faith. Why did you doubt? You had it, right? You were, you were on there. Why would you, why'd you lose it? But the narrative doesn't stop there. Like we've saved the best part for last. So Matthew chapter 14, we're going to see the conclusion of this narrative. And it says this, when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. So grabs Peter up and he's like, dude, Peter, you had this. What happened? They get to the boat. The moment they get in the boat, the wind ceases. Boom. Now, they've had a busy 24 hours. Earlier, they had fed 5,000 men. Jesus was just walking on some water. Jesus allowed Peter to walk on the water. Then he saved him as he was sinking and faltering. He pulled him up. And now Jesus causes the wind to cease as he gets in the boat. Jesus is like, oh, another miracle, you know, wind ceasing. It's like almost... Like, we read it almost like it's a side point. He's like, oh, yeah, you know. And Jesus also told the wind to stand still because that, that's normal, right? But this isn't X-Men. It's not like Thor Rangarok. Like, he did, it's, it's real life, right? He's like, real life, people can't say, like, hey, wind, stop, and the wind stops. But here it's like this side note of miracle of Jesus. It's not even like you're looking at this miracle. There's water, and there's feeding 5,000, and now he's just like, stop, wind. I'm doing something else, and the wind's like, sorry, my bad. (laughs) Like the wind. Good luck. Try that one, you know? Like do a storm, like, ah, X-Men. It doesn't work. You can't stop the wind. Why so many miracles? Why is Jesus doing all these miracles? He's just showing off. (laughs) It's just a boom, boom, boom. There's a wind one, like whatever. Why does he do so many miracles? Jesus always uses miracles to demonstrate who he is, always. Jesus did not come here to be a miracle worker, to impress people, to get fans, to have 7,000 followers on his pre-Instagram Instagram. He did not come here to get popular or famous or to be known. So why does he do so many miracles? Miracles demonstrate over and over that he is God. His miracles back up his claims. See, when he claims to be able to forgive sins and that he's the only person who can forgive sins, he backs it up with miracles. When he claims that he himself is God in human flesh and that he's the sole and only way to get to the kingdom of heaven is through him, when he makes that sort of claim, he's got to back it up with miracles because those are ridiculous claims. Those kind of claims should be rejected by any rational human being. When someone says, like, look, I'm God... (laughs) I forgive sins alone. If someone says that, you should absolutely reject that. That is nonsense to any rational thinking person unless that person can demonstrate that they are who they say they are and they can do what they say they can do. See, I could stand up here and I could say, hey, you guys, guess what? I'm God. (laughs) And you'd all say like, "Mm, 50-50, right? Maybe. Like, no, it wouldn't even be 1090. It wouldn't be 199. It would be, no, you're not. We met you, right? I have demonstrated with my life, lifestyle, and, and I've demonstrated I am not God, right? 
Anyone can claim to be God. Anyone can claim to forgive sins. Anyone can claim all this sort of stuff. Say, believe in me and you could go to heaven. Look, I just claimed it. Believe in me and you could go to heaven, guys. The hard part is proving that I can do what I say I can do. And I'm not saying that for me. I'm saying that for Jesus. So the reason he always does miracles isn't to impress people, but it's to demonstrate that he is who he says he is. Jesus' miracles are just that. They're confirmation that he could be trusted. And it helps us have confidence that our faith isn't misplaced. That we're not just following a story or like a legend or a a spiritual force or something. Jesus demonstrated over and over that he's not just a healer. He's not just a, a prophet or a religious man or a really good teacher. Jesus demonstrated not only by the things he said, he claims something, but then he demonstrates it by the power he shows in miracles. So the disciples, look, they've finally come to a, an appropriate response. They've seen all these kind of things. And for the first time, this is going to be the first time in the ministry that they're going to make a certain proclamation. And so uh, we're already halfway through the book of Matthew. I mean, if you're tracking Matthew. And his disciples, uh, they're going to they're have this response after the feeding of the 5,000, the water walking and the wind ceasing. Here's what the disciples say. And here's what they do. And those who were in the boat, they worshiped him, saying, truly you are the son of God. Truly means like, man, I'm convinced. So believe it or not, the climax of the story isn't in the miracles that we've seen up till now. The climax is here, the confession and the worship of the disciples. This is the first time that Jesus has been addressed with this full title from his disciples. It seems it's the first time that they finally get it, at least like in a little bit. Their, their faith, if you watch it, it progresses. It changes through when they first meet Jesus and then they, they have diets and they're like, whoa, you can do miracles. And then, whoa, you can heal. Whoa, you can cast out demons. And they, it seems that their faith, uh, though they even were following him initially, their faith seems to grow and progress. And here we get for the first time them saying, hey, we think you're the son of God. I mean, this is a really big deal. They make this remarkable claim that Jesus is on equal footing to the God of the universe. After they've seen enough, they're like, dude, Jesus, you are like next level. You're not, you're not like anything that we've ever even seen or heard about. You're not a prophet. You're not like Moses who did some miracles and God did it through him or Elijah who did a bu- bunch of miracles and Elisha who was even better but no one likes him as much. Like you weren't even like any of those guys. You're, you're next level from that. Jesus, we think you're God. And so this is a really big deal. The the more the disciples encounter Jesus, the more that they see who he is and what he's capable of, the greater their statements of faith and the more precise their understanding of who he is becomes. We see time and time again the disciples, disciples experience Jesus, they see his miracles, and they take a step closer to him. And then they hear some teaching and then they take another step and they see a few more miracles and they come in this another step to, to all the way to the point where we get past the resurrection and they're all in full out. Jesus is this miracle working. He's going to do power through us. He is creating a brand new world. He's got a new covenant. I'm willing to die and do anything for it. They get to this place. But it's a progression. And I don't think it's any different with us. Look, are there any people in here who aren't really believers or maybe you're like really shaky in your faith? Maybe you're not even sure if you're a believer. Probably some of us know some non-believers. I would simply say, I would simply invite you or them to try out Jesus. 
like explore who he is through the Bible. That's our information source about Jesus, but also through just beginning to talk to him. If he's not real, there's no harm in it. If Jesus isn't real, there's no harm in trying. Take a month or two to sort of look through what the Bible says about him and then meet him in person. The best way to get to know someone, to find out about them, to determine if they're legit or not, is to actually just get to know them. That's the best way to find out if someone's legit. And it's the same with Jesus. But maybe you're a believer already. But maybe you want to get to this place where you can confidently join the disciples in their exclamation of who Jesus is. Like you want, to, you want your faith to grow too. Like I, I don't want to just have like a um, Sunday sort of faith. I want to grow in my faith, in my belief, in my strength, in my conviction, in my clarity of who Jesus is. Well, it's the same path. To get to know Jesus, you got to spend time with him in Scripture, in seeking Him soul to soul. You pray, pray something specific, and then Jesus answers that prayer. Draws you a little bit closer. Like you go through a Bible study and you understand a little bit better and it draws you a little bit closer. You, 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 your eyes are opened a little bit more and, and a little bit wider each time you interact with His wonders. As you gain a little knowledge of Jesus, maybe that causes you to step out in faith just a little. And that, that when he demonstrates that he's faithful and when you step out in faith, then, then it uh, sort of builds your, you up. You, you, you see that Jesus has power in every situation. You gain a little more insight, a little more confidence. It's this progression, this kind of growth. And, and this is the natural way that the Bible... Faith is not like this. It's not like one morning you wake up and then all of a sudden you have like 100% full cup of faith. That's not how it is. It's not how it will ever be if you thought that that's what it is. So you were like, well, man, that guy believes way more than me or that girl she's so, has so much more faith than I do. That's because they've been growing in faith. They didn't just magically get it and like, boom, I just have 100% belief and here, watch, I'm going to do a miracle and I believe in Jesus, like this kind of stuff. That's not how it works. Faith is a progression. We know it's true because Paul says something like this, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You have salvation. That was your first step when you said, Jesus, save me. Man, that you took this like little tiny ounce of faith and you got eternity from it, but, but Jesus never meant for you to stay in an ounce of faith. Jesus wanted your faith to increase. Yes, yeah, that faith is enough when you ask Jesus to be your Savior to grant you eternity, which is an insane gift with a tiny amount of faith. But Jesus says, I want that faith to grow. I want that faith to expand. And it expands through experience with God, through learning about Him. Every time I learn something new, I I learn a new promise in the Bible that I didn't know before. Now I can exercise more faith because I didn't know that one. So sometimes knowledge can increase my faith. Sometimes when I was praying and praying, and I didn't know how this bill was going to get paid, and I was really worried about it, and I was praying over it, and it got paid. And if I'm not careful, I'm going to forget about it and not even give any worship to God because like the bill got paid, so I'm not worried about it anymore, right? But if I look back and I, I can start to mark times when Jesus was faithful to prayer and I prayed and he answered and I prayed and he answered and I prayed and he answered and it starts to grow my faith. The disciples ask this in Luke chapter 17. They say, Jesus, increase our faith. Like we believe, but we want to believe even more. And that's how it works 
in real life. Faith is a progression. The disciples' concept of Jesus had once again began to expand, and they acknowledged him as the Son of God. I mean, that's a really meaningful phrase. See, to the Jews, this would be an unheard of phrase. You could never say someone is the Son of God or equal nature to God or that someone is God. Like to them, that, that's blasphemy. They tear the robes. They, they go crazy when that happens. This is the exact claim which gets Jesus crucified by the Romans through the Jewish, Jewish leaders asking for it. This claim that, that he is the Son of God. They realize that he's equating himself with God. And so the disciples are saying, hey, Jesus, we actually think that you're equal to God. And so this is a huge thing. They continued to grow, the disciples did, in their comprehension of who Jesus' true identity was. Before this, they would stuff, say stuff like, oh, yeah, you're, you know, you're a prophet from God, or, or yeah, you are the Lord. They just sort of use it really loosely, right? Master of this kind of stuff. And here they have this clarity that's come. And then the clarity of this statement that Jesus, your God, it prompts something. It prompts a particular response. And we see it in the verse. It prompts the response of worship. So as they grew in information and understanding and they watched miracles and they watched Jesus move, the response, the appropriate response was to worship him. They moved quickly from this place of fear, which we just saw earlier, to now the wind stopped, the sea is still, and now they worship. It's a logical reaction, I would say, considering the power that Jesus just demonstrated and his care for, for Peter. He didn't just let him sink, right? He grabbed him out, saved him, took care of him. And all this craziness happens, and they're like, dude, this is something crazy. We need to worship Jesus. See, when one encounters the supernatural, the powerful, loving Jesus, it compels that person to worship. Even for us, at each new venture in our spiritual lives, as we live another day with Jesus, as we experience him fresh again, we ought to be prompted to worship. We grow in belief and faith and knowledge and And each of those causes us to come again to Jesus with awe and worship, telling him, Jesus, you alone are worthy of worship. Telling him today, yesterday, that that he's amazing and he's better than we thought and he's higher than we knew and he's, he's greater than we could imagine. This week we've seen another piece of Jesus pointing to the conclusion that he is worthy of worship. And I was kind of thinking about it, like when I, when I think about worship and that kind of stuff, like what did the disciples' worship look like? So here they are, they're on the boat. Like what did their worship look like when Jesus gets back in, the wind stills? What did that worship look like? Did they bust out a guitar, do you think, and they started to sing some church songs, right? Like maybe, maybe they had a guitar in there. It was, it was a lyre back then, right? Maybe they had a lyre in there, and they busted out some church songs. Like hey, that's possible, but probably not. But when we think of like, oh, worship, it means almost a song always, right? But worship can be with music, but it doesn't have to be with music. I doubt that this one was with music. More likely, what did they do? They more likely just started shouting, right? Their worship. And, and they probably didn't even go around in a circle and each take turns, right? Because that's how we do worship. Like, let's all worship, okay? Would you like to start or should I start? Like, we don't have any music, so we should go in order, right? And so sometimes it's like, like is that what happens? So like, you know, Peter gets in and he's like, okay, John, would you like to begin? He's like, yes, I'd like to worship Jesus for, uh, for his miracle of the water. Excellent, okay. Now, Thomas, would you like to go? No, I have doubts, so I'm not sure he's doubting Thomas, right? Judas, and he's like, well, uh, I don't know like, what to say because I'm going to betray him later. Now, Judas probably didn't know it at this time. But, but is that how it happened? They went, went in this orderly circle of worship? 
Like how chaotic like probably was their worship, especially to our organized church minds, right? Almost, look, almost all of my day when I go about worshiping, it's, it's almost usually not in song. Like so I'm out going on a prayer walk or I'm doing something and I, you know, I see a, a, a cool skyline or I see like some cool nature or like a squirrel over by my house. I'm like, squirrel, just like a dog would be. Like, There's not a lot of nature in, in Fullerton. Come on, like, you see a squirrel, that's like a big deal, right? And I'm like, oh, God, you're amazing. There's squirrels in Fullerton, right? So, yeah, I see a squirrel, I see something like that. I don't often break into song over it, right? It's not often that it's a worship song. I don't have, like, the guitar pull out, like, da-da-da-da-da. Now, I don't usually do that. Like, life isn't a Disney movie, right? <laughs> but I'll say, except when it is. So I'll be honest. Sometimes I actually have broken out into, like, a spontaneous song over, like, Squirrel. And I know it seems super weird. But, uh, you know, because it's daytime. Everyone else is at work when I'm taking a prayer walk. You know? And so sometimes I'll, I'll break out and I'll just make up this, like, kind of song of worship to God. Now, no one's ever near, so no one's ever gotten really frightened by that. At least not that I knew about. But, but, so, but normally I don't do it. But, but sometimes, like, so I have to say, like, sometimes I do actually just sing it out. Like, but, but usually I don't. Most often it's just a verbal proclamation, right? Like, most often it's like, God, that's so awesome. God, like, oh, dude, God, you're amazing. It's something like that, maybe a sentence or two. It doesn't normally take the form of a prayer. I barely fold my hands and bow my head when I do it. I'm on a walk, you know, like a, a fall. And so normally it's just sort of like a shout out. So I know I want to do something a little bit crazy. I know you're like, oh, not again, right? And, and I don't only do this kind of stuff to bug you guys. I know it maybe seems like that. But as your pastor, like, I, I think it's really important that we start to express ourselves in lots of different ways, in reverent, quiet ones, but sometimes in a little bit bigger ones. And so I want to try something together. I want to, like, a, a soul experiment right now. I want you to think about, I was going to say the biggest thing that God has done in your life, but then you start weighing, like, well, is my marriage bigger than my kids? Like, which was bigger, like, miracle? So not the biggest thing, but think of something that, that God has done in your life, something that was important to you. It doesn't have to be the biggest or the greatest, but, like, just one thing. And I'm putting you on the spot, so like you got to actually think of one right, right now. Come on. You're like, oh, no. And so what we're going to do in just a second is I'm going to imagine, I want to have you imagine that thing happens right now and what's going to be your verbal response to that thing. And we're going to do it all together. Like, like remember, Jesus gets in the boat, and then it ceased. And we're not going to go in order and do it. We're going to actually just go like, whoa, my gosh, that was crazy. And I know it's going to be loud for a second. Oh, it's out of my comfort zone. I don't like it. Wah, wah. Suck it up, buttercup. Okay. So got something in your mind? I'll give you a second to think about something. I tried to think ahead of time, like, what I was going to say, because I didn't want to, like, so now I'm, like, going blank. I didn't write it in my notes. Okay, I got mine. All right, so, so what hap- I want you to verbally exclaim a worship to God. Listen to me. So God's done something in your life. God's provided meals. He's provided amazing family, for most of you that I've seen. He's provided all sorts of goodness. So what's one thing you could just say out to God? And we're going to say it out. I'm going to count one, two, three, and then I'm going to clap, and you're going to say it out. But you could sing it out, too, if that's you. But, but normally we could just say it out, okay? We're going to try that. Just a verbal proclamation of worship to God. What would it sound like? Ready? One, two, three, go. God, you are fantastic for my kids. I'm fan. I can't believe it, God. You are amazing. Mm, gosh, you are so good. Mm, amen. How about you try to make that occasionally part of your life, where, where you just 
you see God and then you just say, God, that's amazing. God, you are awesome. And some of us are more expressive than others, but get your most possible expressive to God. Give him your highest notch effort. You could give, when you say hi to me, a way less effort. Hey, Sam, that's fine. As long as you're giving, hey, God, a huge worship. Look, I don't know about you, but I am hungry for more of God. Like, I want to experience God more. I want to experience his goodness and his power. And I want to live a life of faith that demands worship. I want to be living so much in faith that that I can't help but to burst into worship as I see God moving. You know, the best way to find genuine worship is to step out in faith over God's calling in your life. Then you will have cause for worship. Last week I said, what is God calling you to step out in faith over? Well, what is it? What's God calling you to step out in faith over? Because you can't walk on water if you don't get out of the boat. And if you never step out in faith, how can we be in awe of God? See, if we just sit here, right where we are, then there's not much reason for worship. I was wondering if we took Jesus out of our lives, say you didn't have Jesus right now, would your Monday through Saturday look any different? If we took Jesus out of your life, would your priorities or your finances look any different? If we took Jesus out of your life, does your schedule or your family life look any different? Are your goals and dreams exactly the same if we remove Jesus? Maybe you don't worship because you don't invite the supernatural, miraculous Jesus into your everyday life. I'm sorry, church, if that zings you a bit, then I'm going to say let it. Maybe we don't worship because we do fine without Jesus. I go Monday through Saturday. The prayer over breakfast prayer, if I left that out, would it change? Or would I still just have breakfast? Playing the fish for five minutes on the way to work and then switching to sports radio. If I took that five minutes of fish out, would it change anything? Or could I absolutely go throughout my entire life without any Jesus and I would be totally fine? And if that's the case, that's why you're not experiencing the miraculous. That's why you can't worship. That's why there's no awe because you never step out in any faith. We don't live by faith. We live by calculation. Right? When's the last time you lived by faith where you said, I'm going to give this entire paycheck? And your husband says, no, we can't pay our bills. I don't care. When's the last time that happened? The last time was never. You say, baby, I'm going to Thailand. He's like, well, you don't know Thai. You don't even know where Thailand is. I'm going anyway. He said, but we don't have the money. For this. I'm going anyway, but we don't. I just go in. It's faith. We don't. We, we calculate. Our giving is based on calculation. We give 10% maybe because we've figured out how to survive on the rest. We don't give out of faith. We give out of compulsion. Maybe 
we never experience real genuine worship because we don't have a reason to. Maybe we don't see the miraculous because we're never looking for it. Maybe we don't experience powerful Jesus because we could live life without him and our life would look exactly the same. Not many of us hear this this morning, but a few do. And if you're hearing that, and that's like, man, that may be me. Then it's time that you do something about it. It's time to start to step out in faith. And I don't even know how to do that. Then start to pray. Why don't you get closer to Jesus? Why don't you get to know him a little bit? Why don't you listen for his voice and say, how could I step out in faith? Jesus, show me when. If that's really you, tell me to get out of the boat. And be careful, because Jesus is going to say, come. Here's just a couple of ideas that I have. Um, to look for opportunities to worship in our day-to-day lives. Because I think that often we get so crowded out with our busyness that we can't even recognize the miraculous, even when it happens. And so when we don't even recognize the miraculous, then we would then fail to worship God for the miraculous. So I want to offer just a couple of maybe practical suggestions that you can put in your life or think about putting in your life how to get yourself engaged with reworshiping uh, God. So maybe you, you're a writing person. So maybe keep a worship journal. Because one of the best things is like when you write down a prayer and God answers it, we always forget that prayer because he answered it. It's no, longer like a, it's no longer like stuck in our tooth, right? The moment you get something out of your tooth, you don't think about that thing ever again. But when that thing was in your tooth, what are you thinking? All the time, your tongue's going over there. You're trying to get it with a fork. Then you're trying to get it with two feet, right? You're always thinking about it. And, and when, when God answers our prayers, we often just forget about it. We don't even worship him over it. You look back, if you keep a prayer journal, and you're like, oh, man, yeah. Oh, he did pay my bill that way. Oh, man, I, I did get a pastor job. That's pretty cool. Oh, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. And you look back on your prayer journal, and you say, like, God has answered my prayers. I'm, we're looking at a 95% hit rate. This is pretty good. And so maybe keep a prayer journal or a worship journal or like just do it on your phone. Maybe have one of those, like just the cheap notepads that open and just have it titled worship. And every time you, you see something that's worthy of worship, you type it in there. And then you can look back in a week or two weeks or five weeks or five years and you can see all the miraculous movement of God. Maybe you, you can record a worship on your little don't forget to worship God over, like, I don't know how you do, like, remind me, Siri, or whatever. Like, we got phone, record it on the app, you know? But put up a worship board in your house where you or your, if you have kids, you and your kids could write worship, your day worship in there. Just like a whiteboard. And when it gets full, like, wipe it off and start anew. Just start to, maybe as you walk in, you, you man, worship God for this. Or we pause and remember that God is doing the miraculous Maybe, maybe you need to start to become an out loud praise Jesus person. I, you know, you've heard them, right? Before. Like, oh, praise Jesus for everything. Maybe you need to do that because otherwise you never do it. Maybe that's what you need to do. Maybe you need to be open and look for a reason to worship because they're all around us, but our eyes are shut and our hearts are hardened. Look, one thing that I like to do when I drive through L.A., Los Angeles, I don't like to go to L.A. a lot, but when I do, like I really like to worship God. Uh, so I roll down my windows, and I've come up with this symbol with my fingers. So I go like this. It's a W for worship, and I hang out in L.A., and I'm like, worship, worship like this a lot when I go to L.A. No, I don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> Maybe uh, get a worship tattoo on your face. 
right? That, that, that will remind you every morning to worship. I'm just kidding about that also. The hand is fine. <laughs> All the parents are like, the kid better not be listening to that. <clears throat> You've heard of carpool, carpool karaoke? Like, do that with you and Jesus. Let him be in the passenger seat. You got to drive, and maybe you just sing, sing to him. Like, I used to have a car without air conditioning when I wasn't, like, rich guy now. <laughs> Maybe it had air conditioning, but it didn't work. I can't remember. But I was driving on the freeway one time, and, and I had the manual air conditioning, so I had the windows down. And I was shouting praise to God. I was so excited about him. Like, I was so much where, have you seen the person where you look over, and then you're like, something's wrong with them, so you change lanes? Like, that was, I was the person that wasn't, I wasn't changing lanes. I was, like, going for, I was, like, Shout and praise to God. Like, ah, God, you remember? I was so excited about God. I was worshiping him. And then my exit came. And, and this was actually on the 405, you know, I think. Yeah, what, yeah, 405. And I was going down where the, the El Toro Y and I got off. Uh, I got off. And you don't realize that when you get off, like, when you're on the freeway, it's much louder, right? <laughs> so the volume is up as high as it can, especially with the windows down. If you don't know what that is because you're like rich and you never <laughs> drive with your windows down, try it. Put your windows down and try to sing. You're going to have to volume way high. So I get off, and of course my car doesn't have that auto dim noise dimmer, so I didn't realize, I didn't think about like the possible volume as I pull off the So I pull off the, the freeway, and I'm, I'm taking a right, and I'm like, ah! singing as loud as I can, my radio's blaring, and I look over to the right, and there's like five kids at the corner, like, like maybe junior high or like early senior high kids, and that there's this moment where they look over, I look over, like eye contact, right, and I'm like, my mouth is moving because I'm singing, I'm like, ah, 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 and then there's like almost this like pause, and then they start busting up laughing, like the kid falls to the ground, and it's like sitting on the ground by the, where you push the button, and then another kid like holds onto the pole, like he's like this, and I'm waiting for the light to turn, because I gotta, I don't want to hit them, you know, and, and I was like singing, and I was thinking like, should I stop singing, and I was like, no, <laughs> so I just kept singing, and the light turned, and I was able to go, and they were like, I made their day, and I was like, great, they were so excited, I thought they were worshiping with me, I was really blessed. So maybe we need to get to that place where we don't care what people think. We just worship God and we look for his miraculous. Look, it's not just in the huge things. It's in the millions of mundane miracles. Maybe mundane miracles, right? That That you got a job. Man, we don't ever have to worry about people killing us as we worship. My kids, they, they eat every day. And we slept indoors, <laughs> like on purpose. We weren't camping. <laughs> Man, millions of miracles that we look, overlook every day. So it's not just the huge. It's in the small as well. So the right response to Jesus' worship and confession of his greatness. So what do you say, church? Like, Can we keep that in mind a bit more? Can we step out in faith just a little bit? Can we invite the supernatural and the miraculous? And then from there, we'll be able to offer worship to God. Would you pray with me? Father, we need, we need more faith, but we need more opportunities for faith too. God, would you allow us to step out? Step out into the miraculous. Like, even ask about it. Like, even if I wanted to step out in faith, there's not even an area right now that I could think of, perhaps. 
And so, God, I just pray that we'd even start to ask that question. Show me how to step out in faith. Show me where to go, Father God. If it's really you, tell me to get out of the boat. And God, I just pray for us. Because I'm worried that these people are so good and they're so nice and they're so smart and they're so talented that we can live our entire life without you and we'll be just fine. But I don't want just fine. And this church, we don't want to exist to be just fine. We want to exist for you. To see your work to see you miraculously transform our lives and people's lives around us. We don't want to see miracles for miracles' sake. We want to see miracles of people moving towards you in real and right relationship. Change our heart, God. Put us in a place where we can't do it so that we have to rely on you. I invite you in a time right now, just as honest as you can. Does it matter if Jesus is in your life or not? Are you connected at all to the supernatural, miraculous power of Jesus? I want to tell you, Jesus invites you, even right now, in the smallest way, in the tiniest faith that you have, to come. Jesus says, step out. Come towards me. Whether it's over sicknesses or finance or business or job or house, family or fights, whether it's trouble or whether it's career changes or uncertainty or stepping out in faith or mission, in foster or adoption. Would you invite the supernatural God of the universe? into your actual life starting today. Would you pray with me?